0: Hi, I'm Lisa McEwen. And I'm Lisa Anita Wagner. And together we are... She's Gotta Have Have It! it. Exclamation
1: exclamation mark.
2: (laughs) Welcome back, listeners, to yet another episode of she's gotta gotta have have it it. exclamation Exclamation mark mark. in which we talk about the movie hustlers Hustlers. with returning guest and friend of the pod susan bond
0: (laughs) (laughs) friend of the pod
2: (laughs) i've always wanted to say that so
1: Mm. I've always wanted to be that.
2: You are. All right. So Susan, do you want to reintroduce yourself for anyone who hasn't listened to your previous episode?
1: Sure. Uh, my name is Susan Bond. I'm a librarian at the University of Toronto. I have also in the past worked as a dramaturg, though I'm not doing that currently. And I love watching movies.
0: And you have very great ideas and interesting conversations about them. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, it, it, you know it's not a lot of pressure to have something interesting to say about this movie there's a lot there's a lot going on
0: <laughs> yeah and like I mentioned just before we started recording here I would not have been drawn to the poster or to the movie just on sort of site and I really love it and think there's so much great stuff in there so thank you for you're suggesting this film you're absolutely welcome shall we dive into what we want before we hmm, let's do
2: that let's do it
0: Bow. I can go first. I thought of one in advance. Oh, great. Nice. Well, it's partially because the weather, and I had just finished cutting the cottage episode in which I had talked about joy coma, which is a term I had coined at the cottage that we were at. And I feel... I recreated that today. The weather definitely helped in the last few days, but I had a few days with no commitment. Well, this this evening, but no other things to do. And I basically lay in the sun. I took a nap outside. I lay on my little, by my little back door for a bit. I took three dog walks and had French toast. But I, I realized that what the joy coma feeling is for me, it's like being a kid in summer, you know, and you don't have anything to do next. Mm -hmm. but I managed to distill it from the cottage and do it quite successfully today. And I realized part of the joy coma is the sleepiness, but it feels good, not like a problem, but it's kind of, I feel like I could sleep at almost every moment. So I feel like I distilled that down. And so I guess I want more of it. I want to be, I want to successfully find moments, especially in the winter when there's not a glorious outside with a nice sun as there was in the last couple of days, but I did want to, yeah. So I want to, find more moments like that. And then as a sort of sidebar, I've been working really hard to loosen my hip. And it's really, I feel like I've come over a hump for a while. It was, I knew it was in the right direction, but it was just hurting so much. It was humbling. And this morning when I woke up, I can feel it's like in a better place and it, and it didn't, it hurt less. So I feel like I'm over the hump with that. And I want to celebrate that and, and more of that as well, more of like getting through hard things and having it get better.
2: So that's me. Amazing. I'm so happy to hear that about your hip because you've been giving me the updates on that. Every week. <laughs> it was, so, it, yeah, I felt like it was a <laughs> lot of
0: updates that were like, and it hurts more now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's nice to be over the hump. And I'm, I don't want to be, I don't want to be disappointed if it hurts more again because it's a process, but it's nice to be, yeah, in a different place.
2: Well, that's great. And I saw your uh, glorious, um, I think it was like pumpkin spiced latte and wow. French toast. In the backyard. <laughs>
0: With my little dog, who's so cute. yeah, She is so like this cute. Is idyllic.
2: <laughs> this idyllic
0: day. Joy coma. I'm excited for when I get to visit Melody again. Yes. oh, You um, dropped the first piece of steak for her, and now she's a steak lover. Oh, of course she is.
2: All right, I can go next. Mine is kind of short and sweet, which is just that I'm realizing that I want to read more. I started reading a bit more over the summer. I started reading a, a like um, fantasy series recommended to me by Susan, friend of the yeah. pod, <laughs> and called the All Souls series, and I or the All Souls trilogy. And I mean, whatever. It's just like light brain candy, like fantasy stuff. But I'm just like remembering that I love reading. That it it kind of puts my brain in a better mode than, you know, being online and looking at screens. So I was just making a list today of some books I want to read over the winter because I'm preparing to hunker down for the winter because the other thing I want more of, and I've talked about this before, is is hygge, which mm. I've talked about as that kind of Scandinavian cozy indoor like just focusing on like making my indoor space much more like clean and spacious and full of candles and plants whoga <laughs> is not very complicated it's complicated to achieve maybe but in terms of like the components of it it's not super complicated as susan has also pointed out in the past if you cannot get a hug these days during the pandemic you can maybe get a hugge. so that's what i want
1: um and i would say so it's hard to it's hard to think about what i want right this particular moment because as we record this it was just this gloriously sunny warm improbable day in November when it shouldn't have been and I've just this moment come from being outside on a patio drinking a beverage outside in November with no socks on Uh, (laughs) what I really want is for that to be able to continue forever but that's not uh, (laughs) realistic in this in this town we live in so I think what I want is to be able to Figure out how to access that feeling of pleasure and r- release and like relaxation of drinking a beer in the sun, even when that's not possible
2: um, mm. over
1: these coming. <laughs> roughly six months before we can do this
2: again no 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 don't say six months i can't deal with that susan four Uh, Four.
1: let's go with four this brief interregnum uh (laughs) before interregnum (laughs) before uh it is truly patio season again i i do feel as good torontonians that we can make a patio season anytime there is sun, even if it's <laughs> minus 10, uh, but figuring out how to embrace relaxation in the sun, even when
0: it's not warm, mm. that's what I want is to, to achieve that. I yeah. actually just washed all my extra blankets because mm-hmm. I want to continue. I've been having some friends drop by in the yard sometimes, and I wanted nice. to be able to keep that. So it just reminded me. And it's interesting. I think all of our, what we want, were kind of related, just like mm-hmm. different filters almost. Cause when, as I was talking about winter joy coma, I was like, right. Who Or whatever the word, the pronunciation <laughs> is. And I was like, that's a way to create the joy coma inside. Mm-hmm. And then that mm-hmm. patio discussion, kind of the same yeah yeah finding that or finding a kind of release in a dark winter that's not six months short three months (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and i know that i'm
2: i know that i'm being delusional i know that i'm, I'm self-consciously being delusional but i can only handle Absolutely. it in like three to four month chunks and then i have to kind of recalibrate how yeah. you know because i also i also feel like you know you never know sometimes spring does come early sometimes we have weird fluke like warm days in march um mm-hmm. i don't think we did last year but we could this year we don't or
1: february even it, it, it'll happen it'll there will be a random day in the middle of what
0: feels like it should be a long dark cold time where it's not both of those things yeah Yeah. or even just sunny like it can be cold it can be those like really crisp cold days but a few sunny days tucked in here and there that'll happen
2: Mm -hmm. absolutely and also susan you can sometimes come over and we can sit near the balcony and we can drink wine and enjoy (laughs) the relaxation of being in the sun but inside (laughs) oh yeah shall we get to the movie yes yeah Okay. So Susan, you were telling me some interesting background information about this movie. Do you want to tell the listeners about both the origin of the narrative and then also Mm -hmm. the story about the director? Oh, cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the 2019 movie Hustlers is a story set during the financial crisis. And it's about a group of strippers or former strippers pulling a big con essentially. It's based on a true story, but it's not directly based on a true story. It's actually an adaptation of a magazine article, which is not a super common thing for a screenplay to be adapted from. But it was an article in uh, New York Magazine, uh, sort of exposing this crime. And that's sort of the the premise of the movie. But the the production history of the movie is really interesting. So the, uh, the movie was written, the screenplay was written by and I feel bad that I'm probably going to mispronounce this name, but Lorraine Scafaria, who was uh, had written a couple of movies, but uh, this, I believe, was only the second movie she directed. So she wrote the screenplay and she was shopping it around and uh, several other directors were asked to direct it and ultimately did not, including Martin Scorsese, who, if you have seen this movie, is... Not the person who directed it, pretty clearly. And also, and I'm going to say, I'm going to get his name. Is it Adam Scott? He wound up being, is that the, the name that I want? He wound up being one of the producers, um, the funnier die guy. And the reason that they were both uh, asked to direct it is because they had both recently directed movies about the 2008 financial crisis. So uh, Scorsese had done Wolf of Wall Street with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. And again, Adam Scott, I think that's his name. Uh, I'm looking it up, I'm looking it up. Thank you, thank you. Uh, had directed the big short. Which was also like a, just a great movie. I really enjoyed it. And another movie, Lisa Wagner, you were saying you didn't think from the poster and from what you knew about this movie that you would enjoy it. I wound up going to The Big Short, but I wasn't. I was like, there are some actors in it that are interesting, but I don't know how I feel about attending this movie. And I okay. went. Okay.
2: So there are three Adams. There's Adam McKay. There's Adam. Adam McKay. Okay. okay. Adam McKay Is the name that
1: I've been looking for. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. Who did the Who did? the big short
2: right um just looking just looking i think yes he did writer of the big short 2015
1: right exactly and he's also the funnier die he's the funnier die guy
2: who's also a writer on ant-man yeah that makes sense
1: yeah yeah comedy comedy writer mostly um which the the big short was not and i remember going to see the movie and really enjoying it and i remember walking to the movie theater and saying i'm a person who loves to go movie go to movies i love this movie why did this movie not get marketed to me. Um, and then I looked up Adam McKay's career and I was like, oh, that's why. <laughs> uh, this is not a movie that you would expect that person to make. Right. Um, but apparently when he was offered this movie, he said, I think it's a great movie. I think it should be made. I am not the right person to make this movie, but maybe Lorraine, you are the right person to make this movie. Um, and so there's more backstory there, but ultimately uh, she wound up pitching to be the person to direct this movie despite having not very much directing experience um, and then made a movie that instead of being a movie about the financial crisis it's a movie set during the financial crisis that I think is really about um, a complicated female friendship a kind of friendship that is common in the world but that we don't get to see on
2: screen very often and I think we're all richer for that. Cool thank you for that all right so shall we dive into some initial thoughts?
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, So you both just watched the movie for the first time, right?
0: Yes. Yes. I did watch it last week when we were going to record and then I watched it again. So I'd seen it twice, but yeah, but I watched it specifically for this.
1: Yeah. Do you see why I thought a podcast about the female gaze and female
0: desire might be an
1: interesting venue to talk about this movie? absolutely.
0: (laughs) And I guess I'll just start by, I think it's even the, almost one of the first shots of the film where you Mm -hmm. walk in, maybe not the very first, but where you walk into the strip club. Yeah with them and I was like oh my god like I I just think of the real traditional male gaze like it like say the love boat where you follow a pair of boobs and then it becomes a drink and then it becomes a scene (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) so to actually walk in with the character and see the characters back in front of her which is what I would see was so it was like mind-blowingly refreshing yes and then early on also I have never seen a character like uh Jennifer Lopez that was so warm and caring and loving with her circle and my god is that refreshing because you always see women that look like that be like cold icy bitchy kind of ladies yes and and it's and it's it's just such a cliche so the the moment Um, I'm sure it's talked about all the time when they were sharing the cigarette on the roof and she's like, here come sit in my fur coat. I was like, oh my God, that the world needs so many more of these kinds of scenes. So those are just my my first, just right out of the get go. So refreshing. And then also the scene of watching Jennifer Lopez dance, not parts a dancer an experience mm. oh anyway so I'm sure we'll talk about all those yeah. more. yeah are-
2: I would like to stay with the first thing before we get onto the dancing scene which Absolutely. we should definitely talk about on its own but yeah Lisa as you were saying that I just finished watching this movie for the first time and I was so struck by the complexity of Jennifer Lopez's character because yes she is warm and she is like there's scenes like she's just like a whole bunch of different Not contradictions, but she's a complex character in a way that I so appreciated because I really, I knew Susan that you liked this movie and it was going to be a good movie, but I I kind (laughs) of expected a cliched sense of like what I thought was going to happen at the beginning was that Jennifer Lopez's character was going to get jealous of the attention that Destiny was getting because like she's younger and newer or whatever. And that that meant that she was like then going to rope her into something to manipulate her and use her in this really exploitative way. And that's not really exactly what happened at all. Like she took her on as somebody she was mentoring and there was this like maternal, but like friendship relationship that they had where Jennifer Lopez obviously like cares about herself, you know, at certain points, like is kind of jealous of Destiny or is like frustrated with her or is, you know, like all sorts of like, like different complex emotions like a person would have. Yes, yeah. And that that was, that that was real, that, that there was never anything fake about that, 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 mm-hmm. but that all of those different aspects existed kind of at once like and i thought a, that was
0: and in a person dressed like how she's dressed which yeah. there are real people that are full complex folks but often that look comes with an a, a crazily two-dimensional character. Yeah. So i think that just made yeah. it yeah really exactly. additionally so i think.
1: I i so my the thing that made me excited to come and talk to you on the podcast about this was the fact that this movie is about a bunch of strippers and uh, str- sat primarily in a strip club with stripper stripping but is shot, um, and maybe maybe this is because there's a female director, but is shot in a way that they are complex people. And I think it is not showing the male gaze. It is, as you were pointing out in that first scene, we're getting the, like, the literal perspective of one of the dancers in line before. But there's one scene that is shot from what seems like an audience perspective, and it is that Jennifer Lopez Ramona dance to criminal. Mm-hmm. um but that even that perspective we're not getting the like seated pers- perspective where all the dudes are we're actually still seeing it through destiny's eyes like that perspective is just a little bit higher but it's still seeing this like intensely erotic and beautiful thing but it's so it's it just feels so much more complex
2: and there was I want to just talk a bit more about that because I I, um, I sent. Susan, I think you know about this article, The mm-hmm. Hustlers and its take on the female gaze by Allison Wilmore in Vulture. Mm, yeah. Um, and Lisa, I'd sent this to you last week, but one comment she makes about that is that at no point, and this kind of jives with stuff we've talked about in terms of the female or the male gaze before, right? The male gaze is really interested in fixating on women's like body parts in a, in a kind of creep, creepily specific way. But she notices that shot only ever is just like Jennifer Lopez as a whole. Like it never focuses on in on like her ass or her mm-hmm. breasts or whatever, or, you know, whatever. Like it is always showing her doing the, the full movement or whatever that she's doing, which is like quite athletic also, because when I was watching that scene, that's all I could think about it. And it. I think that must be in part a function of Destiny's vision of her, that it's just like this incredible, competent, athletic scene where she's Mm -hmm. demonstrating like you know a certain kind of yeah it's exploited but it's also like a talent
1: yeah, and I think the the athleticism. It's funny because the athleticism is a little bit undercut in the training scene later, where where yeah. Destiny's like, "Oh, I my body can't do that," and she's like, "Every woman's body knows how to do that." But in the sort of lead up to the movie, the a lot of the publicity surrounding it was obviously about obviously about Jennifer Lopez, about how she was going to play a stripper and how she was going to do this amazing pole dance and how she is 50. Uh, was a major part of that they were very careful to never release a full video of the entire dance but there was a lot of publicity showing her workout routines and her training and at how intensely athletic that performance was It's not, that is not something that your body just knows how to do. She is, she is an athlete and it was an an incredible amount of work. She was robbed by the Academy Awards. She should have been nominated. I haven't been mad about an Academy Award in so long, but this year, oh, Jennifer Lopez, she earned it. She really did.
0: I will just interject with one thing because you had mentioned it. i I took her saying a woman, like any woman can do that Mm -hmm. as being, I guess just when you see artists and like people like mentoring, often they'll say, oh, this is really hard or like this. And I felt that, that, I just felt that comment. I'm not saying that's what you were saying at all, but I thought it was just, again, this lovely, like we can all do it kind of feeling about it. Oh, Um, totally. I know what you mean about undercutting her own athleticism, but yeah, but that was so refreshing too, to have that, we can, if I can do it, you can do it kind of vibe.
1: Yeah, in general, the character yeah. Ramona is so amazing. The, again, the richness and her her generosity uh, with her colleagues um, is just
0: astonishing astonishing, and I didn't think about her being 50 because I didn't really think about it yeah. I was more just impressed with the sort of her stylings and that they gave mm-hmm. her all this status for that kind of look I guess like I mentioned before but now I know that she's also 50 like that just makes <laughs> it like 20 times cooler to me that she's also in the age that mostly is starting to be overlooked do you know what I mean so it's just, yeah, that just that's just so cool I really didn't think about how old J-Lo was
1: yeah, well, and I do think I do think there's a degree that the the, the movie is in sort of like a, in in dialogue with JLo as a public figure. And she has been a public figure famous for her amazing body and her amazing dancing since the 90s. <laughs> right? Like she am I am I am I wrong or was JLo not one of the uh, the Fly Girls from In Living Color? Who I desperately wanted to be as a <laughs> I wanted to be a fly girl so bad that that's where she came from. She is a, she's a famously great dancer for forty years. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I do think there are there are moments in this movie um, that are really drawing on the audience's knowledge of J Lo and who she is and who she has been. Not just the dance, though. There's certain, there's certainly that one dance, but also the the arrest scene, the one to Royals, but the, where she's got like the like the juicy couture jumpsuit on, which is partly making it just a super period piece. But I think it's definitely in dialogue in dialogue with like J-Lo as a public figure. Well, also, I I don't want that to, to, I don't want to suggest that detracts from the amazing performance that Jennifer Lopez gives, which is the best performance of 2019 for my money. And it does definitely draw, I remember people at the time arguing, like, uh, she could have played Winston Churchill. (laughs) 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 But, uh, I I mean, I... I would could not have played Ramona. There is no other actor who could play Ramona.
2: I also just want to make another point from this article that I love so much because I, so this article is, is comparing, sorry, Susan, I thought I'd send it to you. The, the article is comparing portrait of a lady on fire with hustlers mm-hmm. as doing something very similar in terms of like a female relationship that, you know, I mean, in, in portrait of a lady on fire, it's, it's more romantic than platonic like in hustlers, but that, portrait of a lady on fire is going to be seen as a great film whereas hustlers is not right which is just another instantiation of the fucking madonna horror complex yep because it is doing the same thing and hustlers is doing it arguably just as well if not better i mean i wouldn't know how to compare it exactly but like it's doing it about strippers and therefore it seems like it can just get lumped in with like so, like a sort of sense of seediness or like yeah there's something lower yeah yeah exactly another
1: thing about hustlers uh is that i i am struggling to remember the last time i saw a film where the two biggest performances and um, most central characters were women of color where that was not point of the, was, was not like a major selling point of the movie the movie i keep thinking of is hidden figures which has almost nothing in common with this movie other than the number of main cast women it's
0: and also one of the strippers is trace lisette who is a trans woman and again just just no no mention just like here's here's trace so yeah it's also kind of cool
1: it's just showing a, a world of people that are is the world of people that we live in but is not normally the world of people that are the leads in a hollywood film yeah uh, and I, for, that, for that reason and for the subject matter, uh, it got overlooked. But there are, like a, there are a lot of great performances. Uh, the writing is fantastic. The direction, the camera work are all amazing. And it, it, I think it got overlooked by uh, the awards
0: yeah and then the cameos too like I love that Lizzo's in it and um Cardi B like just these like literally almost like little moments but it's so Mm -hmm. cool all the uh, people they attracted to it as well yeah
1: that's the that's the other interesting thing about the the screenwriter directing the movie and making the movie really is I apparently she 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 called Cardi B and was like I wrote a part for you in my stripping movie will you please be in my movie (laughs) yeah and a, a lot of the music the music choices are just phenomenal the soundtrack is very well thought. From that first moment before the first shot starts, this is a story about control. She did apparently call Fiona Apple, not Fiona Apple's agent, and say, "I would really like to use your song in my movie." Yeah, it's it was a lot. It was a lot of very the, nothing. Nothing happened by accident in this movie. It's it was really intentional.
0: I'll just say one more thing of praise for Jennifer Lopez with me and my authenticity needs because mm. how we talked about her cuz she is like a like a triple threat superstar. Like I agree Absolutely. there's not that many people that could play yeah. this cuz nobody could dance like her, nobody not nobody but you know you know what I mean it's a rare rare thing this incredible thing yeah. she has. But mm-hmm. in the scene where she, where things that were going poorly and she's working at the Gap, I yeah. 500% believed that she was folding those pants and working at the Gap. So yeah. that's really also just incredible cuz that's a rarer thing to see yeah. someone that can stride both of those uh, completely mm-hmm. authentically. So yeah, I really always liked Jennifer Lopez, but after this, I was like, whoa, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I feel I see a, even more in her now. I feel like she got a lot of flack for being in one really bad movie. Which one? Julie <laughs> uh, with
1: what's his name, Ben Affleck, when they were dating. Uh, I didn't see it, but it, it got it was like it got Razzies. It was really panned for being terrible, and I think a lot of people blamed her for it, especially because not super long after that, Ben Affleck's been recognized as a good actor a bunch of times, but I think her, her, I think her performance in this, like obviously her dancing is phenomenal and unparalleled, but her acting performance in this movie is just an absolute tour, tour de force. And it is partly drawing on her public persona, but most of it isn't. And the, uh, one of the ways it draws on her public persona is by being in contrast to it um, in things like that gap folding scene.
0: Yeah. But it really struck me because it, I just, yeah, it's, it was her vibe. I guess her vibe jumping was so authentic, uh, Mm -hmm. but in all the parts of Ramona. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) JLo.
1: Fantastic.
0: (laughs) (sighs) What shall we talk about next in this delicious mix of movie. One of the things that I'm interested in, having read the article, because as soon as I
1: got home from the movie, I read everything that that was written about it, and because it's based on an article from New York Magazine, New York Magazine wrote a lot of articles about Uh, this movie after it came out, including the one about the female gaze, and the one about how Lorraine Scafari got the movie made, and and, and something specifically about the music, but I was really interested to go back and read the original piece. The reporter is a character in the movie, Julia Stiles, is playing oh. the reporter interviewing them for the piece it's not it's actually i watching it again i realized it's not super clear from the context of the movie who she is and they do say i read that i read the article but it's not really foregrounded that she is the author but the article does treat destiny as an unreliable narrator um, it doesn't trust that she's telling the truth and i think the movie does a good job of Questioning her sort of motives in the room and the mot- her motivations for saying things without presenting the story that she tells as false, but it does it does let her call into question like is this the, like you might not believe me when I said this th- you might not believe me about specifically about the the Russian strippers and the blowjobs and that one particular dude giving her sixty dollars when he said he was going to give her three hundred, she calls that. M- questions that moment of truth but I don't think the movie treats her as inherently unreliable or uh, deceptive
0: and I think even she has a line that says I'm used to people not believing me and that almost made me believe her more so that was Mm -hmm. just an interesting moment yeah I'd forgotten about Julia Stiles I just literally watched it like an hour before we talked again and when you mentioned I was like oh right I really did like that Mm -hmm. it is a good structure i do think interviews like that make a good filmic structure and it works but i guess compared to really jennifer lopez i'd literally forgotten about julia styles oh
1: absolutely and when i when i initially said it's like the talk julia styles gets third billing on this movie which is ridiculous
2: (laughs) 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 Um,
1: she does a lovely job nothing against you julia styles but like there isn't there is, it shouldn't be a world in which Kiki Palmer is not the third star. Yeah. Like, like, it's the- I guess um, it's because she's a Hollywood- like, She uh, Yeah, she is, she is, is the, the name.
0: <laughs> but yeah, in I there. literally forgot she was in the movie and I've just yeah. saw it. So that's, yeah, again, I, I agree, she did a good job. Nothing at all mm. wrong with it, but- I also think this
1: movie's relationship to class and money, which is what I think that the original producers and people looking at trying to pick a director thinking it was about the financial crisis, interested in is really not the same relationship to money and class that we see on in hollywood very much and they talk a lot about how money lets you have nice things which is true (laughs) one of the things that i find interesting is how the idea of what nice things is seems to maybe change for at least destiny's character over the course of the movie uh, because we do see this interview with her several years later and I again the the costuming in this movie is fantastic and I just think that that white sweater that she is wearing for the interviews they don't say what's going on in her life or where she's at but she looks richer and she they talk a lot especially in the like the shopping scenes and when Lily Reinhart gets there they talk about oh this looks this makes me look rich this makes me look wealthy and but I think that the like wealth it's not showy but the sort of like wealthiest she looks is sitting on that white couch in that white sweater not working (laughs) talking to a reporter and it's they don't they underline the the earlier parts and they definitely underline how the amount of money she has in the context she lives in is undercut by the way that she dresses for her job in the scene where she's dropping her child off to school this is one of the most interesting scenes to me yeah Uh, the camera is sort of tracking her and then you see the other mothers looking at her and then also she has blood on her shirt Yeah, (laughs) but uh you can just see her feeling um sort of like crushed by their expectations even though they have no reason to have expectations of her and the difference between that scene and the way that she looks on the
2: couch is very interesting to me yeah because the way she looks on the couch it's more conservative and it's also like the opposite of showy right Mm -hmm. like she's fading into the furniture almost as opposed to you know like that enormous whatever it was i can't remember what animal was but like that fur coat that she was wearing at some point (laughs) two-thirds of the movie yeah which is like you know a very overt demonstration of conspicuous consumption as Mm -hmm. like what it means to look rich
1: I took that fur coat when she gets the, because she gets the fur coat from Ramona, right? Yes. I took that as a sign of her maturity in Ramona's eyes because mm. of the, like where she'd come from, from that first moment of having to hide inside Ramona's coat on the roof. Yeah. Um, but like oh. the, yeah, the fur and the, the furs in this movie are, I mean, I, I, I don't in real life want a fur coat, but I definitely wanted a fur coat while I was watching the
0: movie. <laughs> I will say I had a vintage fur in high school. I mm-hmm. bought it at this secondhand store. It was yeah. so warm, like it was the crazy oh, yeah. warmest coat I've ever had. Yeah, not that I'm not that I want a fur coat either, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah there's they feel you do feel very protected in an interesting way and it it's definitely a sign
1: of not just wealth but power in the movie it's it's that is the moment where she is sort of like at the peak in this stage of her life which is why the couch is so much more interesting because it's there's this huge gap of time and gap in our knowledge about what has happened to her after the moment of the arrest and I feel like that's an interesting story and I don't know what has actually happened to destiny in real life and that's good. <laughs> I don't need to know what happens to this real person in her real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I, I think that p- placing her in that couch in that particular sweater uh, raises more questions than it answers.
2: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, because I am so curious about what the intervening years were. Yeah. I was also struck, Not that I'm surprised by this, but towards the end of the film when she's crying and saying like what else did she say about me because (laughs) there is just like like here's the thing that doesn't get talked about enough is female friendships and the kind of like romantic undertones they can have and also that like Friendships can break up in a way that is just as devastating as romantic breakups. Absolutely. But people don't talk about this because romantic relationships are so central in our culture. Mm -hmm. And it really reminded me of like what in another movie might be somebody being like, you know, what did this, you know person I used to date say about me because they you know yeah. you still want to sense but she didn't say it in a way that's like about you know sometimes people say that like I just I want to make sure that they like think I'm okay right like that they still think that I'm great or that they somehow like miss me but she like really mm-hmm. there was a kind of brokenheartedness in that question again this is just speaks to the complexity of Ramona's character that when we then flash to the scene with JLo, mm-hmm. like she's talking about she's talking about destiny in that scene right and she she obviously like seems to really love and miss her
1: well and she keeps a picture of her in her wallet with her child Ramona's character is so maternal is oversimplifying it yeah she she has I mean control but sort of dominion over her Followers. The other thing about their relationship that's so funny is when to me is when Destiny gets mad at her for taking in a bunch of strays, as she puts it, not reflecting on the fact that she was one of the strays. Like absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Ramona's such a rich character. Oh
0: her warmth reminds me of you know how in like 10 million television cop shows when the cops meet the FBI they like fight and it's like you're like come on not again (laughs) and that literally was the same thing when all of a sudden when she was kind and mothering and caring and like carried a picture of a friend in her wallet and all that stuff it was that same refreshingness when the odd time in like some other country cop show you see them get along and just work together and I just always I'm so I mean I know that's why cliches happen because people just always think the same thing but yeah, I, I'm always surprised how much cliches just tell the same stories. And I'm so impressed when I see something different.
1: Yeah. Now, what do you think about the film psycho- the psychoanalyzing that Destiny's problem is that she was abandoned by her mother and that's why she wants this amazing mother figure? Because I feel I feel like it does lead us down that path a little bit. Huh. And I, I don't think it's, like, it could have it been a lot more explicit about it, but I do think it suggests that the reason that she is drawn to a figure like Ramona is because she was literally rejected by her abandoned and rejected by her own mother. I think there I think there's an element of that in the in the storytelling.
2: Which I also wonder how that like plays into the Ramona and Destiny's respective relationships to being mothers.
1: Mm-hmm. And motherhood is a mental illness. What a line, what a line. What a line. And especially especially because the the film suggests to or to just suggested to me that ramona forgives destiny her betrayal Mm -hmm. because it was done for her child yeah Um, and that there but that i don't know that that would have worked the other way because i think the relationship between that i think there's an element of mother-child relationship between ramona and destiny i don't think it's i don't think it's that simple that's yeah um, but i think i think that she yeah i think that that i think that that she forgave her because motherhood is a mental illness. Um, yeah.
0: I d- hadn't noticed that myself, but I guess that sort of still seems like an organic plot point. Cause it's true. You see that mm-hmm. a lot, but it is life. Like if you're missing that you do look for it. So I yeah, guess yeah. it felt organic to me that I didn't really, yeah, I didn't draw attention for me, if that makes sense.
2: I mean, as somebody who, so for example, like I was adopted as I think mm-hmm. our listeners know, cause I think I've mentioned this because I, I did a whole thing last year where I found my bio family. I, I did resent my whole life. People just assuming that I had abandonment fears
1: mm-hmm. because
2: I was adopted. But I do have abandonment fears and it might be related to being adopted. I don't know, right? Because I like we still don't know how babies are affected. Like small children are affected. Yeah. Like stuff that you don't even have memories of. Like there isn't... It's hard to do science about that stuff because <laughs> if people can't self-report accurately, like, you know, memories already dodgy enough, like let alone memories that you really can't access. And you're never hard. gonna get ethics
1: approval for the double blind experiment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. Ooh>. And <laughs> dark. But uh, as somebody who's been in therapy for a few years, what I learned kind of I resisted at first and then kind of gave into it. it was like you go to therapy and you learn what everyone else in the world learns, which is that which is true for you, but is true for everyone else which is that like the formative relationships you have with your caregivers as a very young person mm-hmm. as long as they remain unprocessed they will inform like all the other relationships that you have yeah. and it's not I mean people have there's shitty takeups of this where people think that means that like that's the sort of inevitable fate that we're all destined to. It's like, I don't think that, I think what therapy is trying to do often is get people to actually consciously bring to their, the top of their mind, the ways in which the, like the feelings that they had and the experiences that they had that, that they are repressing or not acknowledging or not processing or not you know, dealing with in whatever mm-hmm. way. Then if you're not dealing with it, then it will continue. To, you'll mm-hmm. continue to like repeat patterns. But if you actually address them in healthy ways, then that's a way for you to actually resist those patterns. And it's like, I don't know, it it seems like Ramona is kind of a figure that's helping Destiny like work through some of that, right? Yeah. Because she is reflecting back to her a sense of like. I mean, there is a kind of like weirdly unconditional love, right? Like there's, she, she yeah. betrays her and she still forgives her and she still has like genuine love for her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think I do think in, in some ways the movie is more interested in that question than it because uh, it doesn't foreground it foregrounded in a sort of funny ways. Like I the very opening moment of the movie, this is a movie. Of, this is a story about control sets us up to know what this movie is about and we do hear control mentioned a couple of other times at one point uh, julia stiles character asks destiny like when did things get out of control and she said ramona is always in control and then she has that recurring dream about being in a car running down rolling down a hill and realizing there's nobody driving it and then she tries unsuccessfully to get into the into the front seat and take control Uh, but the funny thing is when they show us that dream it's the same street as when they show us her watching her mother drive away Um, so I like there's the 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 movie is making an explicit connection between sort of control and her mother leaving and Ramona's ability to control situations and care for people I
0: think really deliberate and really like thought Mm -hmm. out I hadn't noticed the street thing that's amazing that's so smart and cool
1: yeah because when we because they don't of course because it's a dream sequence they don't tell us it's a dream sequence but I recognize the street immediately because it's it's the the hill that the car drives down Mm. away from her Um, and it's it's funny the way that they they don't plant that I like explain that thing that the movie thinks is a fundamental concept about destiny until quite close to the end of the movie like we get through most of it before that is explained we know that she lives with her grandmother and has this wonderful caring relationship mutually caring relationship with her grandmother we don't it doesn't tell us why the mother isn't in the picture <laughs> mm-hmm. um, until very close to the very end uh can we talk about joy in this movie i think it ha- i think it has two really joyful scenes that just express community joy in two very different ways and one of them the, the one that i thought of right now because i was talking about the grandmother is that the christmas celebration where she gets the fur coat um and where her grandmother is there and tells the story about richie what, valens what, yeah richie the, valens. yeah yeah
0: that yeah the one that the that she's hot for
1: yeah yeah and and just is completely completely incorporated to the, into this community in a way that I think we're we're primed as an audience to expect that the grandmother is not going to have a good time hanging out with a bunch of strippers, and the movie is not interested in us having that perspective.
0: I um, hadn't thought of that as joy, but that's true, and mm-hmm. it also is sort of like the way that Ramona is is warm and loving and sort of says yes. Yeah. Joy also says yes. Do you know what I mean? It's not a, it's, it's not a jaded film at all.
1: Yeah, and and so that is sort of the the peak in in the sort of like. Later time period in the movie, but I, I think that the the usher scene in the strip club is just so celebratory. It is, and again playing a, a funny. It, it's kind of funny to me playing on the like the real, uh, history and presence of of usher as a like a human and a public figure in the scene where actual Jennifer Lopez asks him what his name, name is. I know, that's a like, great moment. That moment is so, and but the, that scene is so joyous and the, the flashback to it at the end is still just, it, it achieves a level of joy and celebration that is so, and so sincere, right? Like it, you just feel it so much.
0: Yeah and mm-hmm. and also it is like on paper it's like some dude comes in and all the women get up and dance for him but it's yeah. not that. So it's also just yeah. cool how you someone else could look at it and see something different. Yeah. Realize that moment that you said about when when she says what, so what's your name to him. Yeah. If you take the the Jennifer Lopez out and it's the character mm-hmm. think of how much self-esteem and balls that character <sighs> has. She's just like rocking it so hard. Yeah. I also noticed in in terms of joy, that one scene you just brought up with the grandmother and then other times when they're celebrating together, they dance really organically and not particularly sexily together, which you don't see that often either. It's not for show, it's for them.
1: And what's really funny is one of those um, funny dancing scenes is they, they, they try to do a thing that looks like the champagne they like try to drink out of the champagne oh, right. bottle, yeah.
0: and they're all like, ooh, that's gross. <laughs> yeah, that's way too much. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's sort of to add,
1: m- making us question um, some of these vision some of these uh, demonstrations
0: of joy and excess and wealth. Yeah. And think about it. And then also, cause I'm just personally always interested as a performance artist, like who are you performing mm-hmm. for? Do you know what I mean? So that was just Never. also like in- inquired yeah. and It's really for them. They were, they're dancing for themselves and you don't see that. Yeah. You don't see that even in the real world. I'm always interested, even in myself, like I'll be doing stuff around the house and I'm like, who am I performing for right now? Yeah. I think a lesser director in a lesser film would have still had them sexy dancing and would have filmed parts of them. I guarantee. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
2: I also personally love that at no point have we talked about what the way they represented the men in this movie. The 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 men, other than Usher, With like. The, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> oh, I see you're making a joke. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, making,
1: I, I'm making a joke. Yeah,
0: oh yeah, if, it would have that. Oh my God, was it the Becht- Bechtel ta- Numbers mm-hmm. or test, whatever. Like I didn't even think about that. There's hardly any men in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it really
1: fails the revert the I guess reverse Bechdel. There are Bechdel. there are male there are male characters who have names. There are like a couple of the Johns. The one, the one who gets fired with the kid and the one who buys destiny the laptop they both have names for sure i don't know what they are the cops might have names but they don't ever talk about anything except the women yeah and i and they talk to the i don't know if the cops have i don't think any of the cops have names Mm. they're historical figures so we they do have names in real life but it's really it's uninterested in the male gaze but it's also really uninterested in the men on
0: screen they're just like placeholders in the story they're not fully rounded characters yeah no they are cops and johns That's it. And a cheating guy that buys a computer, which I know might've been the John, but. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Clients. Yeah.
0: And like Um, that last
2: scene where that guy's lying naked on the pool or not (laughs) the last scene, but it's like one of the last scenes. He's like, he's, he's like gotten high and like tried to fly off the roof or whatever. And he's like, obviously like injured himself and he's knocked himself out. It really reminded me of the way that you often see strippers depicted in movies as just like passed out and naked just sort of like like Mm -hmm. their ass in the air and it was like it was like a man who is sort of a kind of prop for part of how the plot was gonna you know be moved forward because that's i think when destiny starts to feel like okay things are things are out of control right now and and she starts to actually feel i mean she's she's sort of felt a creeping kind of guilt and compassion for these guys along the way, but it starts mm-hmm. to kind of tip at that point. But yeah, that, that was a very interesting shot of that guy lying naked on his front. Just like we never, yeah. I, we barely see his face. You know, like, it's just-
0: Yeah, we see a lot more of his junk than of his face. Well, I had a, a thing I just thought of um, when we were talking just about, well, actually, I don't know if we said it, but about desire. It's just a one-off line early in the film, but Jennifer Lopez at one point says, doesn't money make you horny? And it's just interesting in terms of that female desire. I've ne- I don't think I've ever, ever heard a female character- talk about a love for money and I don't love money but it's just refreshing it was just refreshing to hear that said so unapologetically so I yeah. just wanted to add that because of our desire theme.
1: That, that would that's a very interesting moment the first time I watched this I watched this movie with my roommate the first time and when we got home he was like when she said that I was like I don't think it was the money <laughs> because we had just watched Jennifer Lopez dance yeah six minutes and I was not thinking very much about the money personally but yeah it definitely does it does ask it it is asking the the age-old question what do women want to be
2: Jennifer Lopez is one of the answers what do women want yeah I have I have a standard answer to that which is To be taken seriously. I actually have a friend who once said that we were having a conversation about feminism. This is actually friend of the pod, Marianne, who came Mm -hmm. on to talk about the Americans. Marianne once said, and I'm pretty sure she's going to be comfortable with me quoting this. (laughs) (laughs) She said that patriarchy will be over when people stop asking the fucking question, what do women want? As though it's some kind of, I mean, the whole assumptions behind the question is that it's somehow a mystery, that somehow women are uniquely or categorically different and we have to find out what they want because they're not just people because people want different things
0: right yeah it also sort of seems like there's this one answer (laughs) 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 this miraculous x that's gonna open doors yeah which is to be
2: jennifer lopez obviously that's the secret answer (laughs) there you go guys
0: yeah
1: and i think that's a a good segue into like the thing that's great about this movie is that all of these women are people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Like
1: um and it's it's weird to see a movie where all of the people are women.
0: yeah Yeah, and all the two-dimensional people are men that really is pretty rare funny I can't think of anyone anything that I liked as much also where I didn't notice like until you brought it up I truly didn't notice so that for me it means that it's like completely successful I guess the only other time that I really noticed that is because I love the golden girls (laughs) and it's all about the ladies in that show too and that's like one of the only other times I had really noticed that and often the men are more like two-dimensional Character placeholders in the story. Yeah, they're plot, points. plot they, points. Yeah, yeah. And then filmed in sections sometimes.
1: Yeah, film. I wasn't thinking about that when I was watching it, but I think about Destiny's boyfriend, who is the father of her child. This is a movie in which the lead character gets into a relationship, has a child, and then breaks up with her partner. He does have a name because Ramona refers to him by his name later, but I don't remember what it was. And I don't know that we see his face. I think when we see them in that fight and we see his back, but when he's facing her, he's cut off at the shoulders.
2: Well, we do actually see his face when they're sitting on the bed together and she's like, how am I gonna make money? And he was like,
0: I'll take care of you.
1: Yes, there we see the, his face his face but like just the top of him but it's yeah.
0: definitely shot like a lesser character like it's yeah. interesting because I was because I acted a lot in really small parts and often if you're in small parts and you, they don't like no one like you're in this that you need they need you in there but you're not really part of it they yeah. don't do close-ups on you do you know what I mean and you can be in a scene and have a bunch of lines and hardly even be seen so it's interesting to see that yeah, I mean, yeah pretty much ah, ah um, sorry men in this case
1: um, well, I don't have a good segue to the other thing that I'm interested in talking about. So I'm just going to start talking about it. Do it. Um, I think this movie's relationship to capitalism is super
2: interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just talking about money and love. So We were just
1: talking about money and love. When she comes back to the club after the crash, all of the regulars are gone and the mother figure is out working at the bar instead of in the back just supporting the girls um, and they talk about how things are different and essentially the complaint is because these foreigners came in and do work more Mm, I'm doing air quotes here, more work for mm. less money because these Russians come, these yeah. Russian immigrants come in and give blow job dancing isn't enough anymore. It's, a, it's not a huge take in the movie, but it's, it's, de- it's definitely an element and it's very different from the narrative that we normally have about immigrants taking away American jobs, which is what it is. That's what that, that plot point's about. And it's also, the movie has a very interesting relationship to the concept of whether sex work is work. I think it's important for me to like state where I stand on that, which is sex work is work. And that is true that sex work includes dancing with your clothes off or your clothes on, or if it involves having sex for money, that is work, that is capitalism. And if you think that there's something wrong with sex workers, then you have a problem with capitalism and are naive.
2: Yeah, I agree. Which obviously isn't to say there aren't aspects of, of sex work which are exploitative, but that yeah, is true totally. for many different kinds of work, many different aspects of our society, and sex work gets weirdly demonized as unique in this. Yeah, and sex um,
1: workers specifically. Get yes. You. And I just think it takes it takes a weird turn. It's doing, it's like very, it's very reasonable, like strippers are people but maybe people who have sex for money aren't.
2: <laughs> it's yeah. kind of a trick. Yeah. None of the
1: Russians have names. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, and so that is that is one thing about the, the movie that I don't love, and I think it's important to mention, but it's mostly great. Uh, I definitely did read some reviews at the time by sex workers who were like, it's... So, it, the movie suggests that strippers who have sex for money don't deserve your compassion or... Uh, support, which I think is true and is definitely a problem.
0: Anyway, capitalism is hard, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but money can make JLo horny, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, there's a lot going on in this movie. I think that's all I have to say. I don't have anything else here.
0: I didn't take notes this time. I wanted to really just enjoy the film. But as we were talking, I realized everything stayed in my head, as they do with good films.
2: Mm, mm-hmm.
0: I think I sort of talked about all the points that I had on my mind as well. I wanna, I'm want i going to look up right now. What is, has
1: what is Lorraine Scafari done since this?
0: Yeah, I hope there's more films like this. And I hope that they are advertised to me, kind of like what you said earlier. Um, And streaming services are not great for advertising to people. (laughs) Like, I don't know how they choose what they're going to show you as advertising. But I hope I, yeah, I I guess I'll know the, I'll know the, the, filmmakers and i will look them up yeah and i don't know exactly what i think this advertising would look like for me but i guess the posters i saw i wasn't drawn towards and um, the internet
1: plays me trailers for lots of things and things i'm gonna like but it did not it did not show me anything for this hmm. um, yeah so she has not directed anything since this hmm. um she did direct three episodes of the new girl so that's something and a couple of tv movies Oh, and her movie that she'd made was *Seeking a Friend for the End of the World*, which I had heard of. Oh, she and she has some. I'm just, I'm just checking at her IMDb here. She has some acting credits from much earlier. Uh, her most recent acting credit
2: is 2013,
1: um, and now mostly writing. She's got a couple of things in pre-production. It looks like really what a what an amazing talent.
2: Yeah. And in this, sorry, I keep going back. These, these are my notes, this Alison Wilmore article. She also mentions that that moment where Destiny is being pressured by that Wall Street guy to have sex with him, basically. Mm -hmm. And she's saying like, no, I don't, I don't do that. And he's being a total douche about it. The cameras like comes down with her on the ground yeah like that's another example of like that kind of thoughtful cinematography where it is really like aware of the female gaze right because the Mm -hmm. camera could have stayed up with him looking down at her in this like really in which she kind of gets degraded by the camera but the camera's like down there with her like with her feelings like you can just see the kind of the the mix of feelings she's feeling because she's sort of torn but she doesn't want to and she's feeling gross Mm -hmm. and sad like there's just a lot going on so yeah i want to watch more of this director's stuff
0: yeah and the more i think about it i think it's such a success to me that i didn't notice if that makes sense that it's literally completely just a woman like full of women you know this can be done expertly and you notice and you're like awesome but the fact that it was done expertly and i didn't notice even gives it like three thumbs up for me because it just felt like the world with a different view, like with a yeah, different eye, which is a more compassionate, yes, eye and a more joyful eye. Yeah, because it's way more compassionate, not just to film parts, but to film a story and to watch a person like do something. It's funny what we're used to from just what we've seen so much of. Like it's, it's almost so ridiculous. amazing that there's a movie about a woman who's doing something, <laughs> something and we're not just seeing her parts. Uh, but it is. Isn't
2: it? <laughs> what a joy.
0: Funny. I know. So true. And women of color too. I really, really like old Betty Page films. I think they were shot on these short film loops, but Betty Page was always full body. It was before the parts, like before the, that that kind of or I guess not before, because it was just a different was like this different kind of kind of like peep show porn I guess is what it was always loved watching her and I never thought of it before but it's always her full like it's just a full like watching of her and then the parts filming that like I made the reference to the love boat because that literally always opened on someone's boobs like that literally was the first shot with a tray and then it would go drink and then it would be put down and then the thing would start and you didn't notice it. Like, that's like, I was watching as a kid being like, oh, shows, shows start on boobs. And then they turn into drinks. Like it's yeah. just, that's just what we just saw. It's so insane. Women doing things. What? Yeah. Well, now I love J-Lo. Right? right? <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And wh- one more shout out for the amazing soundtrack. Like so well thought. Yeah. yeah. This is a story about control.
0: <laughs> and actually really good, co- we've talked about the costumes sort of here and there where they related, but but just in terms of like that white couch and that, that outfit, like really excellent costuming as well. It always felt authentic, even though it was really over the top. Like remember the necklace that said sexy and like that kind of sex worker wear can be really like outre, but it felt very, very real all the time. I think there was just a lot of care about authenticity in yeah, every very, single aspect.
1: Very
2: specific to the period too, I think. Well, thank you, Susan, for suggesting this.
0: You're welcome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. bringing
0: JLo into my life.
2: Right? Now, now that, that we've, we've said, said it, it we, we
0: gotta, gotta get, get it. it. Woot.
2: Welcome. We are back. rolling.
0: Oh. We are rolling. All right. Oh my
2: God. Okay.
0: We are going to sound so smart, guys.